Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, what would we want to talk about today? <laughs> I mean, aside, of course, from the Ukraine war, war that I have been uh, going on a tear about analyzing Putin and Biden and everything, um, we'll have a break from that today and talk about something a little lighter. Uh, and that is, of course, the slap heard round the world, if not for Will Smith's slap seen round the world, what Oscars? The Oscars have been losing viewers um, faster than when you turn on the light and the cockroaches run away. I'm from New York, so I think of that metaphor. <laughs> but um, but this time, this, this um, uh, Oscars will be remembered more for what... Um, Will Smith did his slap than um, than any of the winners or anything else. Um, he, if you don't know yet, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, went up on the stage and slapped Chris Rock for something that Chris Rock said about his wife. I will leave it to my guest to um, dig into this because he is the perfect one to do this. Uh, Jeremy Murphy. Is a and he. This is what he says about himself. I'm not. I'm not insulting him. Jeremy Murphy is a sarcastic, embittered veteran of the media industry, founder of 360 Bespoke, a respected boutique PR agency in New York. Murphy handles a full roster of clients in the lifestyle, beauty, fashion, and startup fields. Previously, he was vice president of communications at CBS, where he worked for 14 years. Then he over, there he oversaw PR for many of its divisions and created its glossy magazine, Watch. Murphy started as a journalist working with Knight Ritter, newspapers, and Media Week. He's a graduate of Florida Atlantic University and lives in New York with his cat, Champers. Well, Jeremy, I'm so happy to meet you. We, we probably met when you were at CBS, and I was the psychiatric script consultant to Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful. I was there for 10 years. So... Um, our paths must have crossed at some point. I think they did. And I'm glad I think they did. Absolutely. And I'm happy. Well, when you re- when you remember how, when, <laughs> let me know. Um, Absolutely. And so this is a perfect. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I do believe because um, you know I was in communications and uh, you know Bold and Beautiful, Young the Restless were two of our top rated shows. And we dealt a lot with that. So I, I am sure that you and I uh, were probably on many emails together. Well, well you know, um, actually, I just thought of something. One place might have been the uh, the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Did you used to oh go my. to that? I... Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. I'm, like, getting memories places. now. <laughs> Yes, I was there for uh, there for about almost ten years too. Um, but all but lots of the 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 character cast of uh, Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful were were like um, you know the the main 
actors there, you know, were well known for coming yep. to the Hollywood Christmas Parade. And so uh, I guess in the green rooms, um, we must have met. Right. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's talk about this craziness that happens at the Oscars. There are so many different, you know, ways to look at it. Some people are saying it wasn't real. In fact, there's a video. Um, I didn't watch the Oscars because um, I am sick and tired of all the uh, political stuff that goes on at the Oscars. And also uh-huh. because of Ukraine, I didn't think it was appropriate to be, you know, doing this stuff, uh, um, award, giving awards, you know, when when there's all this going on in Ukraine. But, um, but I have watched tons of video and read lots of articles and so on. So there, there was a, a video, you, you may have seen it too, that came from a Japanese um, reporter, which seemed to show that it was, well, why don't we start at the beginning? It seemed to show that it wasn't even a real slap. And it is true that um, Chris Rock hardly moved back. You would think he would have fallen back a little more from the power um, of Will Smith's slap. Well, why don't you just start from the beginning, and, and I'd love to know what you have to say about it. Well, I, I do think it was real, um, because, you know, um, Will Smith went back to his seat, and he, he said an expletive on the air. And having worked in television, yes. I know that is uh, that is very serious. Like, you know, the FCC gets involved if you use something like that on the air. So if it, if, if it was Anyway, planned that would not have happened. Um, they uh-huh. would have thought before that. So I definitely think it did happen. Um, you know, from what I've seen, you know, Chris Rock's reaction does look real. Um, so I, I don't doubt that it happened. Um, you know, my heart, first of all, um, you know, it's violence. Um, you know, any way you put it, it you know, someone. Uh, attacking someone on stage and hitting them is, is not right. And the other thing is, is like, you know, there were a lot of winners uh, that night that he robbed them of their glory. You know, I, I think of Jessica Chastain, mm. you know, an amazing actress. She won an Oscar, like, so deserved, and no one's talking about her. It's all about the slap. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, uh, yeah, that is a good way of, of looking at it. Um, were you there by any chance? Oh, I, no. <laughs> you know, I used to, um, when I was at CBS, you know, um, it was not my particular area, um, cause I was more on the corporate side. Um, but there were several instances where I did have to work award shows and walk people down a red carpet. And I can tell you uh-huh. there's nothing glamorous about it. It is a job, it's torture. No one is having fun. I guarantee you that. No <laughs> one on the red carpet is having fun. No one sitting there is having fun. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been to the Emmys before. I, um, it is not fun. And I'm very glad I wasn't there. <laughs> well, except you would have missed the slap, but you did miss the slap. But no, but I totally, you know, um, to go back to your point about the violence, um, the Oscars have been, as I said before, losing losing viewers um, each year. And although this year apparently uh, it went it was a little above last year, but that isn't saying much. Um, but you know, so this is just another uh, way in which it's going downhill to have this kind of violence. 
and, and not only is it going downhill, it's, it's, it's crass. Um, you know, you have mm-hmm. um, that happening, and then, you know, Christmas Stewart showing up in, in hot shorts. Um, Timothy Chalamet just decided, mm-hmm. I'm not going to wear a shirt today. Um, it's become a carnival. It's not a celebration of the arts anymore. It's not a celebration of the best of the best. It's um, who can get an Instagram moment, who can get a shocking moment, who can, like, you know, have a, ha- have a moment. And people are not thinking, like, this is a, a, a respectable celebration of what we accomplished. No, this is, we're going to hog the camera. We're going to we're, we're get attention. And no one's thinking about the root of this. You know, the root of this is, is to honor the people who are creating great cinema. Instead, people are thinking, how can I get my moment in the sun? And by our standards, it's more shocking, the better. And I always go back to um, when, when Jennifer Lopez wore, wore that, um, the, the, the dress. I, I think it was the Grammys of like 2000 that was like literally like falling off. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. a whole generation of celebrities, that's how you get mm. publicity. That's how you get publicity. Mm. You steal the spotlight. You do something shocking. When the world's attention is on the Oscars, that's your, that's your moment. And so you have all these celebrities that use it as, you know, this is the best, this is the biggest audience we can get. Let's grab it. And yeah. I think that's, that's the new blueprint. Yes, it reminds me of like Angelina Jolie when she uh, put her leg in a very sexy position. Do you remember that? Yeah, Um, and you know, her leg even got a Twitter feed. (laughs) Someone created a Twitter feed uh, about her leg. (laughs) You know, I want to interrupt for a second because I just realized, I didn't, when mentioning your bio, I left out one of the most important parts, which is that uh, Jeremy is the author of F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and and FMLs in Your Media Career. (laughs) So I want to get that in early. Um, So tell us again what what Will Smith, I mean, what Chris Rock said about Will Smith's wife. Well, he, he he made a joke, you know, she has a shaved head, and he made a joke about uh, her going to appear uh, in G.I. Jane 2. And the, it was a reference to, um, you know, the 97 movie that Demi Moore had a shaved head, and she was playing um, a Navy SEAL. And he thought that was a funny joke. He didn't realize that she, you know... She has an ailment that um, I I can't even pronounce it, but it um, alopecia, alopecia. Yeah, and it, it prevents hair growth, and that's why she has a shaved head. Now the story is he didn't know that, and he made a joke about her bald head, and I think you know Jada and Will took it personally, and Will um, acted. You know, I think he acted emotionally and irrationally. And he went on, on stage and, and hit her. Or hit him, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he wanted to hit her. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so that's really the root of it is I think he acted, he reacted very emotionally. Um, and you know, you should never resort to violence. Like that's something he should have confronted him off stage about. Um, certainly not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, when, you know, an audience of more than a billion are watching and, you know, that, that goes around the world and you're the kids and families watching and, you know, you never want that to be broadcast. So I, but I do think he acted, um, in the moment, um, you know, uh, that's all I can say, but I, I, I honestly, I don't know what was in his head. Well, you know, they, I think, um, you know, when he made his speech, he won, uh, we should say Will Smith then went on to win Best Actor uh, for Richard, right? Uh, which mm-hmm. is the story of uh, Serena and Venus's father, um, right. tennis stars, and um, which is another thing to analyze. You know, he, um, I was just watching his speech. And on the one hand, I mean, he cried, but, you know, a lot of times people cry. I don't think it's, of course, winning your first Academy Award in itself is a very emotional moment. Um, But he went on to talk about how uh, he was chosen, that God has has a path for him. Um, You know, he's so pleased that he was chosen to fill this path, that he, uh, being a a guard. He said, God is calling on me to do and be, uh, to love people and protect people. And that's when he started crying. Um, I mean, you know, that could be just very spiritual and very nice. But um, I don't know. It just seemed, he seemed to be falling apart a bit on the stage uh, after after having just slapped Chris Rock and so on earlier in the evening. Um, I think he was trying to sort of, he apologized, and I think he was trying to put put things back together. But what do you think about his Oscar speech? Well, I thought it was kind of contrived. I mean, here you insulted a man on stage, and then you're talking about love and God and whatnot. (laughs) And it's just smacked of such hypocrisy to me. It's smacked of... um, you know, um, you know, people have an, a, a limited attention span, and I think he thought it was like, oh, I'll just clean this up with my speech. Um, yeah. And I don't think he realized the impact of what he did. You know, he, he's in an amphitheater where people are on their feet, you know, cheering for him. And I don't think he realized that, well, the rest of the world saw that and is not on their feet cheering for you, right? And... You know, that's the thing in Hollywood. People, like, you know, people don't say no to celebrities. Everything they hear is how great they are. And no one tells them the truth. And, you know, here he did this, and then he wins a trophy, and everybody's on their feet clapping for him. And so I don't think he realized that, wow, what I did was really bad. Um, You know, he didn't uh, apologize to Chris Rock in a speech which right. would have been the correct thing to do. Um, so, you know, these people live in bubble world. And I don't think it dawned on him that what he did was really bad. And, you know, when the Hollywood community is on their feet 
clapping for you minutes after you assaulted somebody. You know, something's yeah. wrong. <laughs> something's really wrong. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Venus and um, Serena were clapping. I mean, the, you know, of course, the movie was about them, their family. Um, but then afterwards, there were, have been interviews of them where they were really angry uh, about what Will Smith did about, you know, his, his slap and so on, and and perhaps even angry about um, his speech, you know, thought it was insincere uh, or, you know, like what you were saying, hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, like, I don't believe anything celebrities say. Um, you know, if if they thought it was really offensive and bad, they wouldn't have stood up and clapped, Right. I mean, that well, is but it was kind of like expected. You know, it was almost automatic, though. It was kind of like expected of them, like every because it was not just like he, you know, he mentioned them and he mentioned the actresses who played them, and um, that this isn't just for me, this Oscar, it's for the the movie, and you know, right. so in a way, you kind of had to clap um, for the movie, you know. No, that's the thing. You don't have to clap. You don't have to clap. <laughs> this man just assaulted someone on stage. You do not have to, and I think that is a red line. Like if someone, no, no, I mean, see, I'm just, I'm just talking about Serena and Venus. I don't mean the rest of the well, audience. No, I, I, they did not have to do that. Like if they felt, uh-huh. you know, what they're saying now is cleanup. That's PR. You know what? Yeah, it's yeah. Really, you, you, you judge someone in the moment how they act. You know, like, that is the visceral response, right? Um, yes, that's yeah. true. The fact that they stood up and they clapped, and by the way, I'm sure, you know, great performance, great art, that might have been a factor in that, but then you can't go a day later and say how outraged you were. Yes, Because yes. your first reaction was to stand up and clap. So it's not, you can't have yes. your cake and eat it to you. <laughs> You can't in Hollywood. All right. We well, no. I mean, to, you know, uh, that's these people live in a bubble. We've taken. We've uh, gotten to the um, to the time when we have to take a break. We will be right okay. back. Uh, my guest is Jeremy Murphy. Again, he's the author of "S Off Chloe: Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career." So, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I want to get back to my guest, Jeremy Murphy. He is the author of F Off Chloe, Surviving uh, the OMGs and FMLs of your media career, in your media career. I had to ask what FML was. Um, that's not one I have seen, but it makes total sense. Um, Jeremy will talk to you about that. And before, before we get into, um, I mean, the, the, I haven't read the book. The book sounds amazing. I'm going, I'm going to order it when we get off. But, um, the, the, a little bit of a description of it is, Public relations snarkiest publicist Jeremy Murphy expertly chronicles his hatred, love, indifference, amusement, and scorn for the profession in F.F. Chloe, etc. From entitled millennials to surly reporters, obnoxious clients, and cumbersome color-coded trackers, you'll have to explain that one to me too, Murphy takes a scalpel and glass of shadow nuff to pup the, to the PR industry in a searing, hilarious, and pissy voice that his own psychiatrist finds deeply concerning. (laughs) Yes, one has to go to a psychiatrist to to work in Hollywood. His collection of annoyances shed light on the industry's idiosyncrasies, insanities, contradictions, and past-due invoices, providing an illuminating window into the dirty world of public relations not even Xanax can help. Complimenting the scathing prose or color in illustrations by artist Darren Greenblatt, the creator of the Ugly Lives of Beautiful People sketch series. That's a fun, that, that, I'm sure that makes it extra fun. Um, okay. Yeah. In this context uh, of a laugh out loud account of working in media, <laughs> um, let's talk first a little bit about the Oscars in general and then just go more into, in general, Hollywood and PR. I have, I have had publicists for um, many years and I have seen the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. And so that's why, I, you know, I'm especially uh, intrigued by all of this. Um, so uh, let's just look at the, uh, for a bit, let's just look at the Oscars in general. And what, what do you think has been going wrong? And why are people, I mean, when there aren't wars, you know, why do you think um, people have literally been turning, turned off to the Oscars? Well, I think, uh, especially during the last three years, no one's been to a movie. I, honestly, yeah. I saw the list of the nominees. I didn't know any of these. Because, honestly, we don't go to movies. I think 
what COVID happened was it trained us to, to watch stuff at home. You know, I have Netflix, I have Amazon, I have Hulu, I have Paramount Plus, I have Peacock, I have HBO Max. Wow. There's so <laughs> many streaming things. I don't have to go to the movies, but, you know, Hollywood is very stubborn, and they want to put these, these films in theaters, which, okay, I get it. You know, that's, that's tradition, right? But we... You know, COVID really conditioned us to not want to go to movies. You know, we're watching um, at home. So that is, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the Oscars have always, you know, have have been kind of trending downwards for a while because I think... Well, yeah, um, I was going to say that, yes, even before COVID. But yes, absolutely. Of course, you know, when people think about, do I want to go out and sit in a theater with exactly. infected people? Or in my living room in my pajamas. It's not much of a choice. You know, the last time I went to a movie, before COVID, I remember sitting there, and there was a family that came in with a whole plate of food, nachos, um, french fries. And I was like, you know, the last thing I want to do is sit in a movie theater and hear people eat dinner. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, this is not what I want. I want to, like, watch the screen. I want to, like, have fun. And then COVID happened. Um, so, you know, the, I think the Oscars were dying of relevance for, for a while. I have to tell you, this is, and, and this is the craft, you know, media person in me talking. This is the best thing that ever happened to the Oscars and ABC. Because guess what people are talking about? The Oscars. Okay, sure. you cannot buy this kind of publicity. And guess what? Everybody's going to be watching next year, the Oscars, yeah. to see what else happens. So yeah. it's very, very, um, you know, uh, clinical, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, opportunistic point of view. They're they're high fiving each other, and that's entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's a business. You know, and, and the Oscars haven't been relevant in, in 20 years. Yes. But except that apparently when after Will Smith, uh, smacked, um, Chris Rock, the, uh, a bunch of serious, you know, academy people and publicists and just a, a group, you know, seriously went back into a corner. They were not very happy. It seemed like they were really, uh, sort of panicking about it. But were they, I mean, we weren't in that room, were we? (laughs) No. I worked in entertainment for 14 years. I can tell you these moments are going, um, you know, uh, on the surface, it's horrible. But I can tell you some sociopath is out there thinking, we're going to get like a 20 share on this. (laughs) You know, they're thinking of the rating, and they're thinking, this is great. You know, this is what we're going to do next year. We're going to get them together in a spoof and Oprah will sit between them and moderate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're already thinking. Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of like when they announced the wrong winner of best film a couple of years ago. Oh my God. Remember that? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, that like, was, that was kind of like comical. Like, you know, like that is your one job. 
that accounting firm, that's your one job. Yes. <laughs> and you screwed up yes. because the guy who was in charge of that was too busy taking selfies on the red carpet. Um, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, you can't monetize that. Like, that is something like, you know, that I think is a fluke. Um, you know, I don't think anybody was proud of that moment or, or, or saw an opportunity there. But this, you know, somebody without a conscience is already thinking about next year and a sweet stunt and how we're going to monetize this. Um, and that's yeah. how Hollywood is. It's a business. Like, if anybody thinks that there's any uh, a moral backbone of, of, of Hollywood, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just not living in reality. Yes. Um, yes, there are many examples of that. Well, all right. Let's hear from your um, uh, book. I mean, not, I mean, literally, presumably, the book that you wrote, but also for opening your book, um, you know, your diary, shall I say, <laughs> of all of the um, good, the bad, and the ugly things that you have uh, dealt with in Hollywood. I mean, did you, for, let's start with, for example, did, did you have any moments uh, maybe not quite as uh, shocking as Will Smith, but something also that uh, you had to do a lot of cleanup for. Well, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, the you know, the things I remember, um, you know, the, the most shocking things were when I was very young, and I was, you know, a young man on the totem pole, but I remember Janet Jackson, um, you know, Justin Timberlake, the breast incident, um, that was shocking. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Howard Stern, um, Opie and Anthony, Dan Rather with the fake memos. I mean, I saw it all. Um, and you know, the one thing. But I, can I mean, say did is, you, you know, have a did you have a client who you had to clean up after? You know, not since I left CBS. You know, you know, I, I've been very, very um, cognizant and, and very. Um, adamant that I won't do that again. Um, so I purposely choose clients who I, I are, are positive and who are generating art and doing positive stuff and who are doing, creating stuff, whether it's music or whether it's flowers or whether it's beauty products that are making people happy and smile. Uh, because honestly, uh-huh. I lived in the celebrity swamp for 14 years and I never want to go back to that. Hmm. So you mean some I mean, of the it's things not, that it's you not a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so you were referring to some of the things that um, when you mentioned certain the examples you mentioned were some of that related to your 14 years at CBS that you had to clean up. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, like uh, the book is the book basically is a humor book about the cultural divide between young and old in the workplace. And by old, I mean someone experienced. And what we're seeing now is a very woke, entitled generation um, coming in and demanding, you know, to know your carbon footprint and your stance on BLM <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, uh, your, uh, you know, your diversity rating. Like, you know, and so that clash is very funny to me because, you know, this has never happened before. You know, like when I was, when I was young, I just wanted a job. And now, you know, this generation Z audience really feels like 
they're not being interviewed. They're interviewing the company. And so the book mm. is about that. So most of the anecdotes are, you know, there's a lot of stuff from my uh, time at CBS, but a lot of it is now dealing with um, young people and dealing mm-hmm. with um, cultural differences and societal differences. And so that is basically what the book is about. And so this generation, and, and by the way, it's mainly Generation Z, but it's, it's like maybe 5% of them who, who really feel the sense of entitlement. Um, you know, they want a trophy mm-hmm. for coming mm-hmm. to work. They grew up on social media. And so I call them the Chloe's because they all seem to be named Chloe. Um, <laughs> yes, I figured that one. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I, I call the, the the book F Off Chloe because that's really what I want to say to them. Um, mm-hmm. And so the book is basically like, you know, it's it's not a, a tell-all about my time at CBS. It's more observation of the workplace and how it's evolved and changed and uh, and and the culture clash between new generations. Mm-hmm. Well, so is it in part also um, from when you went off on your own and you had to hire people to work in your firm and you, you know, got firsthand um, a close-up of, of who, you know, of these people, you're t- of the Chloe's? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, when I start my own company, you know, you're starting at the bottom again. You know, you're building something from scratch. And so now you're, you're, you're dealing with every aspect of, you know, media. You're, you're, you're starting a company and you have to hire people, you have to deal with people. And there was one incident where I had sent a, a strategy memo to a client and, you know, I had many people CC'd on it and there was someone named Chloe who uh, replied back just to me and she said, TLDR, LOL. And I didn't know what that meant. And so I went on Google, and it means too long, didn't read. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Wait, you really typed that? And I was so wow. angry. I was like, wow. But then I said, you know what? This is the funniest thing I've ever read. Like, someone uh-huh. has the hookah to type that, and her name was Chloe. And so my initial reaction was, F off, Chloe. And then I'm like, no, no, this is comedy gold, and this is the name of my book. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to have the nerve to, you know, <laughs> to write that. Can you thing. imagine? What, what, was her, what was her Can you imagine having the, the nerve? Yes. It's, yes. It's, well, it's, what was her role in the, in the, was she someone who worked for the client who you were strategizing for? No, she was like a junior assistant or something. Like, she literally had no substantive role. And she just had the confidence to say, and this is what I'm saying about this new generation. And I don't don't want to, like, uh, paint too broad a stroke on this. Because a lot of, I would say 90% of this new generation that are coming into the workforce are really good. Um, but there is a portion of them that has this unearned confidence. 
You know, mm-hmm. they grew up on social media, and anything they said got likes, shares, comments, new mm-hmm. followers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so they really believe that anything they say deserves audience applause, that you know, uh-huh. they should get a parade, they should get a trophy for coming to work. And so they have this, this, this weird confidence where someone really feels like that is appropriate to send. Uh-huh. And it was so illuminating to me because, like, you know, when I was that age, when I was starting out, I would have never, like, I was afraid, yeah. I, I was afraid to reply to an email with important people on it. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I know exactly what you mean, and it's a very good point that, uh, that how some of this comes from um, the, the the likes and all of that on and the vo- have even having a voice for a whole yep. lot of people on social media. Well, we need to take another break. Um, my guest uh, is Jeremy Murphy. We are talking today about uh, if not for Will Smith's slap seen around the world, what Oscars? We will be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about, if not for Will Smith's slap seen around the world, what Oscars? And my guest is Jeremy Murphy. He is the author of F. Off Chloe. Every time I read that, 
I worry I'm going to actually say it. F off Chloe, surviving the OMGs and FMLs in your media career. So um, I, I want to talk briefly, and then you can get into how this, uh, you talk about this in your book, but um, one of the things that, that I tweeted about, actually, uh, in regard to the Oscars um, was about this new rule, or it's, I guess it's not so new, but they're just making it uh, more stringent, um, that they are only going to, in the future, allow movies that have a certain percentage, a high enough percentage of um, diversity um, to, to qualify, to, to, um, to be considered for best movie. And, oh, here, this is what I wrote. I, I tweeted. I tweeted, best male for Oscars. Woke Academy disqualifies films without enough black, gay, disabled in cast and crew. Filmmaking by affirmative action is not art and causes resentment towards minorities, not appreciation. Going about this backwards and all wrong. So take it from there. Well, I agree exactly what you said. Um, You know, great art is supposed to challenge conventions. It's supposed to test barriers. It's supposed to change stereotypes. It's supposed to um, provoke. And, and get people offended and thinking. And following a blueprint, a woke blueprint, is going to suffocate great art. This is the worst thing that they could have done, and they're creating an opening for some other entity to honor the stuff. Can you imagine, mm-hmm. you know, um, thinking about, like, Serpico and, and The Godfather and Chinatown and all these great... Can you imagine... Someone telling Francis Ford Coppola, this is, this is the blueprint you have to follow? Um, yeah. No. It, it's the dumbest thing. But, you know, Hollywood lives in a bubble. It's, a, it's the do as we say, not as we do. You know, you know I'm always fascinated. Leonardo DiCaprio is lecturing us of how to, you know, save the whales and, 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 and not pollute and save the environment. And he's on a private plane you know, flying back and forth, <laughs> uh-huh. which is the worst thing you can do for the environment. So I, I, I think they're really uh, hurting themselves with this. Um, it's dumb, but, you know, this is the world they live in. And, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, Hollywood is a business, and they're going to realize that this is the dumbest thing we've done. And, you know, they're going to announce it, but I guarantee in two years later, no one will be looking at it. Well, I mean, I hope. I don't know. It depends upon who the people are in charge, you know, the people who made that in the first place. But I really, that's a really good point, though, what you said. That really does leave an opening. Um, I mean, obviously, it would have to be someone with, with a lot of money and with, uh, right. or with, a, with a network who p- would provide a lot of money um, to, uh, or, or even on Netflix or something like that. Um, but that doesn't kind of make sense. Well, if there was a network who would like to do counter programming, but then, but then I guess they wouldn't want to be the one who, you know, people will jump on them and for not being woke. And uh, well, you know what? Like, I mean, you it's can't so, tell like that. Directors, artists are artists. Like you know what? You can't tell a Chris Chris Nolan or a David. 
Fincher or a Steven Spielberg, here's how you cast. You have to have this percentage. They're going to tell you to go screw, screw yourself. You know what I mean? Art has to be uninhibited. It has to be visceral. It has to be what the artist is feeling. And the more yes. you, you put them, well, you have to do this. You have to do this. It's suffocating. And you know what they're going to say? Yes. They're going to say, screw you. We don't care. We're, you know, and someone's going to be like, you know what? We're going to create our own Academy Awards. We're going to call it something else. And all the great artists, directors, are going to go there. Because yes, that's true. You just can't do that. Yes. You can't. Like, that is against every, every bone in an artist, uh, every bone in, 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 in an artist. They, you know, they, they rebel. They, they do not like authority. Like, they want to create art. And if you're not going to honor it, they're going to find someone who will. Yes, I guess a Steven Spielberg would be a good person to uh, create this other kind of academy. Right? Can you imagine, like, if you go through his films, okay, you know, um, you know, he's always been a very good director, and I, I, I think he's a moral, decent man, and he's not at all a racist. Um, can you imagine going through his films and, 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 and chastising him because there weren't enough minorities? Yes. I mean, right. come on. I know, yes. No, that's, uh, well, if anybody's listening to this who's going to go and do it, you have to give us, give Jeremy credit for the idea. <laughs> if no, I'll do it myself. Now, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll join you. I'll help you. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about, um, you know, you, t- you talk about this issue in your book, um, how wokeness is, is really inhibiting Hollywood altogether. And, and uh, so tell us more about your own experiences. Well, I mean, woke is a new thing. Um, woke is, I want to say, in the last two or three years, and it, and it is a, it, there's a direct correlation to Donald Trump being elected and people feeling voiceless. And, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I know 50% of the country is, and that's fine. Like, you know, they're not evil. They're not stupid. They just voted for someone else. But they're, you know, particularly women who um, felt voiceless that, no, that, that they weren't listened to. You know, um, I was a Hillary supporter, um, and a lot of people were, and, and, you know, Trump got elected and, you know, Trump has had an issue with women and I think people got really offended. So, um, you know, that, uh, and, and God bless them is absolutely their right that, you know, they started protesting. And I think that kind of got in the water supply and then Black Lives Matter happened, you know, Bird Floyd, and then that people really felt empowered to protest that. And, and I think it really got into uh, the bloodstream of America and that, you know, what you're feeling right now, you should get out there and protest. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm because as that was happening, you had this young generation, Gen Z, you know, graduating, growing up in social media, seeing these messages amplified, now coming into the workforce and feeling very empowered to bring these values to the job and to the interview process. 
And that is kind of one of the points of my book is like, that is new. And some of it I, I agree with. Like, I do think companies should be LGBTQ. I think they should be very, very uh, open to that. You know, how, whoever you want to be, however you identify with yourself, I think I, I personally will identify you as that. Um, but a lot of like the, you know, what people are demanding, um, it's just kind of ridiculous. So I, I, I kind of spoofed it in my book and, um, it's getting me into a lot of trouble, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I just, I are just you, think it's are you ridiculous. Being canceled? Are you being canceled? Um, you know what? I'm a little worried that it's going to happen, but. You know, one of the things I've done and, and it's going to get me in trouble is, you know, Harry, Prince Harry, and Meghan, um, I think yeah. they're idiots. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think they have anything worth listening to. And the fact that people care about what they say is yeah. so amusing to me. Just yeah. literally, these people are idiots. And, you know, they're talking well, more, about... Well, worse than that. Worse than that. I mean, not only do they not know what they're talking about, and they're narcissistic and self-absorbed, and the the interview with Oprah was just horrendous. I mean, as far as the um, putting down and and insinuating and all that that they did about the royal family. Um, And then, of course, it probably is going to even be worse in in, uh, his book. Um, But... but you know, it's it's not just that they're not making any sense and he's telling people, um, that, you know, to, to quit their jobs. I mean, yes, what comes out of their mouths is really uh, garbage. Um, but in addition to that, you know, they... they what? It's insane. What did and, you say? You know, I... It's insane. And I, I, I actually had an argument uh, with someone about it. And... Someone actually told me, well, that's your privilege talking. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> well, be, you know, because <laughs> Megan, it was, it, it, it's biracial. Me thinking that they're idiots, that's my privilege. And I said, he grew up in a castle. Who's privileged, okay? Um, uh-huh. You know what I mean? I, I just, this is, and the fact that, like, you know, by the way, they're living in like they're living next to Oprah. They're 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 like backing the Brinks truck into the house because everybody's throwing money at them, and they're mm. literally telling everybody how to live. Um, you know, and well, they're selling stuff, and I they're mean, missing, and they're missing uh, his grandfather's um, yes. not funeral, but his um, the the year anniversary, the um, you know the the um, the ceremony that they had, yep. uh, that he didn't come ostensibly because the, because England wouldn't pay for guards for his security guards for him. I mean, really, that's all you think about your, fa- you can't afford <laughs> to pay for your own security guards um, to go. I mean, come on. He got millions of dollars from his mother's estate. Um, you know, I'm sure he's on the dole. I'm, I'm sure he's getting some kind of stipend from the royal family. They're selling everything but the China. Um, uh-huh. You know, you know, Spotify, Netflix. I mean, literally, like, they're getting millions. And the fact that, oh, they won't pay for my security. I mean, that's almost comical. 
to me. Like, that is yeah. your reason? Like, you can't come up with something better? I mean, we've all faked some reason we can't go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's just that she doesn't want to go, and so he uses that excuse, you know? But, I mean, the, the thing is, they do really need... I, I think, though, the last I knew, um, England was paying for... Well, the royal family was paying for their security in America because really somebody needs to pay for their security because they are a terrorist um, target. You know, if they were kidnapped by terrorists, uh, you, you know, and held for ransom, it could be a really bad thing. But um, oh, it would be horrible. <laughs> but you know what? It's your responsibility, right? If you don't want to be part of the royal family, if you want to, like, and by the way, that is totally your choice. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to live as a royal. I, I, I understand. It's very restricting. And I think there's a part of me that is like, oh, Harry, I think that's great. Like, you don't want to be a part of that? Get out of it. Like, I think that's great. Live your own life. But you can't do that and then complain that they're not paying for your security. And you, you can't have it for and the only reason why they're getting money thrown at them is because of his connection to the crown. Um, right. You know, otherwise, I mean, so he's using, talk about hypocrisy, he's using that uh, to get all this money, and then he just totally disrespects them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I really feel like, you know, he, you know, before he got married, he, you know, he, he, he uh, was in the royal, I think he was like a helicopter pilot, I mean, he did. Yes, he he, he, he served was, he in your armed forces. Yeah, yes, he, I mean, I he think was he was a very cool. respectable. Um, yes, and yes. I think he could have been it such is, a great uh, representative of the monarchy. Absolutely, absolutely. And then he, he got, got married. It's totally her. It's what? totally her who ruined him. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and I don't her, know. If I want to say ruined uh, because I don't think he's well, ruined. I do think that she well, uh, diverted the route, so to speak, and well, yes, but but downhill. He really. Something. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you mentioned that because yes, he was. Um, he did a lot of things for England, and and he was upstanding and all of that before this. But um, he. <laughs> She, she was a bad girl, the kind of what I talk about as bad girls, and she totally manipulated him. We could talk about this, these things for the next uh, five hours, oh but unfortunately, the show has, yes, unfortunately, we're out of time. So let me thank you, Jeremy Murphy. You've been a great guest. Absolutely. And I want to thank, I want to thank all of you who are listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.